Good morning, church. If you would, would you turn to Proverbs one twenty? I'm sorry we didn't have those words on the screen for you. Those were coming from Proverbs one twenty through thirty three. We'll use that as a little bit of a guide this morning. We're not going to go verse by verse through that. We're going to bounce around a bit. Um, am I getting feedback? Is that just me? Okay. Maybe the verb. Yeah. All right. There we go. It feels a little better coming back at me. So Proverbs one twenty through thirty three is what Sarah read for us there, and we come across a question that's going to help drive us a little bit today. It's a problem that we'll revisit today in a lot of different ways. We're going to kind of examine this problem um, multiple ways because I think it's helpful. As simple beings, we need to sometimes take a crack in all these directions. Maybe one of them fits, okay? So I keep coming back to the problem, and it sounds a little bit different each time. It's kind of the same collective problem. And that problem comes from verse 22. See Proverbs 1, 22. Just the first part of it. It says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? So this month, we're celebrating the advent of wisdom, which means the arrival of wisdom on earth. Jesus pursued us by coming to earth. He lived the perfect life, did everything in perfect wisdom. That's why 1 Corinthians calls him the personification of wisdom. It's literally what the human version of perfection and wisdom looks like. And now we can follow his example, and now we can be protected from the cares of the world, the chaos of the world, while still engaging well with the world. That's what he did. And we don't celebrate his birth, we don't celebrate Christmas just because he came in the form of a baby, right? That wouldn't be worth celebrating if that was it. His pursuit of us didn't stop there. He died the perfect death in our place. Then he conquered death, defeating death, defeating Satan, defeating sin. He ascended into heaven where he lives today, currently. We serve a living God. Amen. That's why we celebrate his arrival. That's why baby Jesus is is a good thing because of what continued and what still continues to this day. So present day, right now, on our behalf, as our king, as our great high priest, as our good shepherd, he is ruling, reigning, leading, and protecting us actively. His pursuit of us and love for us continues. So for those who have repented and have turned from sin, the call is to follow him now, right? And we know that. We're church-going people. We know that reality. We know the truth. We could tell others that. But today we come to this term simple. We come to this problem because we have a problem that even though in the midst of everyday life, even though wisdom, Jesus, pursues us, the problem is, church people, I don't know if we're actively listening. Right? actively listening. Because if you remember, Grant 
did an intro two weeks ago, the beginning of Proverbs. If we're truly following Him and pursuing wisdom, it will affect how we interact with the world. It will have that effect on us. We remember that the fear of the Lord, the awe, the reverence, the commitment, the pursuit of, the constant remembrance of and acknowledgement of, the fear of the Lord, the actions, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where it begins. So wisdom does not just happen to us. And that's where I think we're falling short. We come to this concept of simple today that poses a problem, I think, for church people. And that's what we need to talk about today. So let's pray and ask for help. Oh, Lord, we find so much delight in you. We thank you for being the perfect example. We thank you for consistently and gently pursuing your people in the midst of our folly, in the midst of our childishness, Lord. You're patient with us. What a good and gentle shepherd you are. Thank you. Will you give us eyes to see, Lord? Will you give us humility to consider your word today? Will you help us be open to reason by opening our eyes and seeing what you might have for us? Be with us here as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, you can picture, um, picture a one-on-one experience of taking a small child to an amusement park or maybe an arcade. And you take them there at the gates where you can see everything at work. Right? The amusement park, it's open. There's people there enjoying it. And so what you see is you see lights You see action, you see activity, you smell smells, you hear the sounds of laughing, you hear the sounds of screaming from the roller coasters, right? It's excitement, it's joy, it draws you in, it captivates you. The park is fully alive and at work, and you're with the child, and you say, child, do you want to go in and experience it? Yeah, of course. All right, before we go, I I have a question, though. Before we go, do you want to go experience it right now? Or we can wait six months and come back and you can experience it. And then if we wait, after we go back, the next month we can go back again. And the next month we can go back again. And the next month we'll go back again. Four times. Do you want to go now or do you want to wait and go four times later? The small child would... They see it, right? They see that they're going now, right? And and what makes the decision for them? Is it them evaluating, weighing the pros? They're they're not even really consciously thinking. What's making the noise in front of them is what's making the decision for them, right? That's, That's really what's making the decision. It's drawing them in. We come to this problem today that we need to address It's a problem of complacency, kind of just being okay with where we're at. The problem is because we're not actively fearing the Lord, we're being led astray. And even though we know the right words to say, our actions, the fruit of what's happening, 
actually aligns more with the fool, more of the simple than it does with the wise. To be simple is to be easily misled. And the Bible talks about this category of being simple. Other ways that we can define and think through this concept of simple would be gullible, it would be childish, and be naive. When you hear those words, that's what this biblical category of simple is kind of referencing. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes everything. Meaning, they'll, they'll fall for anything. They're easily influenced. The simple are the ones who are not firmly committed to anything. In the purest form, if anyone is supposed to be simple, it would be children. Literally, one of the ways we define simple is childish, right? Who's supposed to be childish? Children. It's a good match. That's not a negative. Kids, children, this this is not a problem for you. This gives you actually some permission to be a little silly. You're supposed to be, right? It's normal. And this is why God gave children, what? The gift of parents and guardians to lead and protect If you're keeping score, if you came for a a happy Christmas sermon, I just used the word gift, okay? So it's Christmas-themed, all right? And there's lights and wreaths, right? So we touched on Christmas theme there. God gave children the gift of parents and guardians because children need to be led and protected. This is God's call for them. Children are simple. They're supposed to be. And they're cute, right? Children are cute. We go back to the amusement park thing. If that was a real story and you were telling a friend this, you'd kind of laugh at the cute decision of the kid, wouldn't you? It's like you don't expect wisdom from the child. You expect that to play out. You'd kind of laugh and be like, ah, that's kind of cute. Yeah, he just saw it and he wanted it. It's like, yeah, that's okay. You wouldn't say, what an idiot. Like, what a fool. You wouldn't call a child that. The interesting thing, though, as the child starts to grow up, how would that decision, how would that process play out, do you think? I think it'd be fascinating, even if we took all the kids here at the different ages and gave them that same scenario. A lot would go right in, but I think the next step, the next phase, as they mature a little bit, it kind of like, it's where they would know that the four times would be better. They know that's the right one, but they still kind of see it, and they're still just like, I still want to go. And then the next phase would probably be a little more maturity. They know the four would be better. It feels good, but like, you know what? I'm going to wait. And they might even cry as they leave, and they turn away from it. It hurts. But then the further away that they got, the more they look to the future, the four times. And then you get to the adolescents, the teenagers. And now... The adolescents, are, they're, they're a wise crew, right? They start evaluating. They start taking all the variables, and they're evaluating. They're seeing, you know, if this scenario was presented in Indiana in June, and you're, you're standing right there, and adolescents thinking, all right, so we can come back six months from now. That's December. It's going to be cold. <laughs> January and then February, March, it's going to be cold. It's a beautiful day today. Actually, I know... More than dad, I know the amusement park's actually closed. And it's nice weather today. You know what? Let's go now. 
and, and that's interesting. It's kind of funny, but the, the process of wisdom is not always just obvious. Wisdom is usually a process that's underneath what you can see. So it's not even automatic that the four times is better as you start evaluating, right? It depends on a lot of scenarios and variables. This is why the book of Proverbs, the audience it was written to, is really adolescents and the wise who are older than that. It's written to wise people who can grow still wiser as they soak it up. But he says a lot of times, my son, you'll see that phrase throughout the Proverbs, a wise man writing to his son, it's an adolescent son. It's a teenager who's grown up in the knowledge of the word. He's learned some things. And now it's like, hey, son, this is real life now. Jesus lived this out. We're going to study this life of Jesus through the wisdom literature because we can study him. And son, it's the real world. You've got big time decisions coming. You need to know how to engage wisely. The book of Proverbs isn't written to three-year-olds. Children can't live this out yet. We'll teach them. Let them be childish. But the problem that exists, though, in the church is that there's still a lot of grown adults now who claim Christ and who are still being enticed by the noise and the sounds and the bright lights of the world. The problem is that a lot of us are still simple in a lot of ways. So I'd actually, in a lot of ways, like to do a lighter, more fun, Christmas-themed sermon. But there's a problem. It's too important. It's too important to pass by. So I think we need to dig in a little bit. Paul writes about this problem. He says to the people in the book of Ephesians, he says, Fear the Lord. Walk with Him. Pursue Him. Why? We get to verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Some of you are being tossed to and fro right now. This is real. You're being enticed, easily carried away. And what it's leading to is you're kind of feeling terrible about a lot of things as you engage in life. We're hearing a lot of about fear about the future, a lot of worry and angst about stuff out there. You're wondering why you're discontent. And I think you're ignoring the action, the pursuit of God because you're too caught up in the noise. Right? And we can we can justify, we we can say the reality of being engaged in life, the reality is that it is enticing. Right, the, the uh, Proverbs nine gives us a little picture of this. It, it contrasts wisdom and folly by giving human personas called Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. It shows how real the struggle is. Lady Wisdom, we see Proverbs nine four. Lady Wisdom, all right, the voice of wisdom says, "Whoever is simple, let him turn in here." Proverbs 9, 6 says, Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. This reflects the words of our leader. Reflects the, the words of Jesus. He says, I've come to earth to lead 
and protect the simple. He says, come, follow me. That's his call to us. The voice of the, of, of the, of the wise one. But Lady Folly, the foolishness, the noise, she also calls. She's a little louder. She's a little more in your face. You can see her. You're drawn to her a little more. About Lady Folly, in, in Proverbs nine thirteen, it says, Lady Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She also calls a little brighter, a little flashier, a little louder. Whoever is simple, turn in here. Come on, naive ones. Let me entice you. It says she is seductive. You see the pull here. Both are calling, ready to influence the simple. See, the simple fall for it because they're never fully content to Christ. The simple are never fully committed to anything. They will tell you, church-going people will tell you they are. They know enough of what to say. Their actions show that they are easily, easily misled. So they'll find a simpler contentment in other things, easier things. The simple need instant gratification. What feels good in this exact moment right now, regardless of any big picture or perspective? The simple are drawn to what they can easily see and touch. The simple do whatever is easiest instead of whatever is best. The way of wisdom is built off of a future hope that you can't fully see. That's why this, the simple struggle to pursue wisdom. They need an instant reward. I don't know, going to Citigroup, it's a little hard. I didn't really get much out of it. If you need that instant hit every time, it's always going to be about you. I didn't really love the second song we sang today. I didn't really know that one, so it wasn't that good of a Sunday morning for me. What can I see right in front of me? That's the concern. If you kind of just let life happen to you, just kind of go with the flow, do whatever feels best in the moment, you're prone to wander, and it, it will destroy you. Proverbs 9, 18 con- continues with Lady Folly, the simple one who gets sucked into it. It says, but he doesn't know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. One way this plays out is with sexual sin. Okay, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, three chapters, give us a great look at the reality of the enticement and the consequences of sexual sin. If you struggle in that area today, you're not alone. We are with you. But I just encourage you to let God speak to you through Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Make this a weekly habit. Pursue it. Act. Because Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 speak to the reality of living in a world full of sexual sin and enticement. It acknowledges that this is real. I like that it acknowledges that. It doesn't pretend that it's not there. It illustrates the realities of the existence of it, the appeal of it. It's as real life as it gets. 
This is why I love the wisdom literature so much. It's as real as it gets. It's authentic. But you have to dig a little bit. You have to dig. You have to think about some of these things. Talk about it with others who are pursuing it. Wisdom rarely plays out at the surface. It's usually underneath what seems to be obvious. But look at the picture here from Proverbs 7. The picture of the one who gets lured in by sexual sin. The simple one who just kind of easily goes and is enticed. Talking about the seductress. The reality of the pull here. It says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. The simple one. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. He does not know that it will cost him his life. I don't know what an ox going to slaughter looks like. I haven't experienced it. Some of you know this. When you're about to slaughter animals and they don't know what's happening, they're just kind of strolling. I mean, to them, they're just going with the flow. Naive. Not really aware, just walking. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm walking over here today. And then all of a sudden, they're crushed. This is the way of the simple who don't hold firm to God's word and who aren't actively pursuing him. But I don't think that we think that it's us. This is why we have to address the problem today of the simple. And wisdom is calling to us. If you look back in, in Proverbs 1, 20, it's talking about, in the first couple of verses, talking about the reality of being in the world, living real life, which we need to do, and how wisdom is just constant, constantly available, if we'll just do the work and pursue it. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice, At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. As media grabs a hold of you and pulls you into the chaos, wisdom is there calling to you. Sexual temptation lures us in. The images lure us in. Wisdom is calling to you. Even more subtle temptations like relational issues, especially around the holidays. We have families who are hurting, friendships that are hurting. You just kind of give in and start thinking negatively. Just kind of withdraw. Listen to the world and the noise. You don't need them. Well, they they said this. They did this. Do you kind of just give in and distance yourself? Give up. No, wisdom is calling And wisdom calls as the truest one who ever experienced it all on earth. And he cries to us in the midst of it all as we're starting to drown. We're starting to take the easy way out. We're starting to just let it all happen to us. Wisdom cries out, verse 22, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? I'm here. Look at me. Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, here's what it can be for you. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. 
Jesus arrived in perfect wisdom to lead and protect the simple. You got to follow the leader. Takes some work, church. Doesn't just happen to you. He says, if you turn at my reproof, I will pour out my spirit to you. So this means instead of being simple and non-committed, action is required. I think as we engage life out there, we're being drawn in too easily. It's causing us to live foolishly, childishly, because we're not active enough. The problem with church-going people who can kind of say the right things is church-going people do not know the Word of God. I don't want to talk about this today, church. But you're not a child anymore. It's not cute anymore. It's harmful now. It's dangerous. Let's look at 24. Let's see what happens. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. Verse 31, it says, they'll eat the fruit of their way. That's the fruit of the flesh. It's what comes out when we live according to the world, when we let the noise creep in. We'll touch on that in a minute with the fruits of the Spirit opposed to the fruits of the flesh. Verse 32 there, it says, the simple are killed by their turning away. Complacency destroys them. What noise are you letting in right now that's destroying you? One of the, uh, I'm actually going to read it here. Um, One of the people praying for me this week, I could not preach if people were not praying for me. I'm not talented enough. And one of the guys, when I sent him the text, um, he says, complete conviction Quotes, complacency of fools destroys them. Turn off Netflix, delete social media. That's what it is for me right now. Thank you, brother, for sharing. That's, that's not for everybody. I didn't really prompt him or anything. I just shared the text. As the Word of God works, He would bring some things to our attention that are keeping us from genuinely and truly fearing Him so that we can fit things like Netflix and social media where they belong. We can engage in the right order. Most of us aren't. How long, those simple ones, will you love being simple? We've got to act. So how are we called to act? Well, the call for the simple is to grow up into maturity by looking to Christ. And the call is for prudence. 
Another wisdom literature, biblical category of prudence. All right, we go back to Proverbs 14, 15. It says, the simple believes everything. It goes on to say, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. There's evaluation now. There's some maturity going on. It's not just reactive, impulsive. You may remember from the intro two weeks ago, Proverbs 1.4, the purpose of these writings is to what? To give prudence to the simple. We're not left out on our own to figure it out. We've got instruction. If, it, if, if I can't say it any more obvious, how about Proverbs 8.5? Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. See, the simple does not apply himself to the discipline needed to gain and grow in wisdom. This is the problem. The simple does not apply himself to the discipline needed to gain and grow in wisdom. The opposite of being simple, perhaps, is being prudent. The prudent are the ones who give thoughts to their steps. And hear this, church. They do that in the purest way by giving thoughts to the steps of their leader. By examining his life, the life of Christ, examining his steps as he engaged with the real world, the prudent give thoughts to their steps. They evaluate the life of Christ. The prudent let the word of God think for them to the best of their ability. And this is why the actions of the wise are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because they're thinking through the lens of God's word. It's not just what they feel and they're going to respond and react. No, they're slow to speak because they're examining Christ. And this is why one of the more helpful wisdom categories that we've brought up in the past from James 3, this is why the wise can be impartial and open to reason. Because the prudent aren't easily led astray. They're not easily misled by chaos, noise, seduction, emotion. Because they're partial to God's word. This is home base for the prudent. Everything funnels through this for them. This is what they stand on. And they see through the noise. They look to Christ. Their fear of the Lord protects them now by giving them peace and perspective in the midst of it all. Not because they bring that to the table, but they know the one who does. Look how the writer of Hebrews touches on the problem and then points to prudence. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. Not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. Here it comes. Here's the prudent. It's for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The works of the prudence are active. And it's all about God's word. The mature are constantly 
practicing to distinguish good from evil. It's prudence at work all through the lens of the life of Christ. This is why Proverbs fourteen eighteen says, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The prudent are crowned with knowledge. Why? Because they fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The prudent don't bring the knowledge to the table. They go through the correct process of following the leader and then being protected. Because now they live in peace. Those who aren't actively pursuing God, the simpleness turns into folly because simple adults will make foolish decisions. Why? Because they're not fearing the Lord. They're not evaluating They're not slowing down. They're not thinking through the lens of Christ. The prudent is one who carefully plans out his obedience according to God's word. There's discipline here. The prudent sees God's word as daily bread. Without it for even a little bit makes him hungry. He says, I got to eat. He feels it. He feels empty. As he goes and lives and he's engaging in the world, he starts feeling empty. He runs back to it, soaks it in, delights in it. And it brings peace, joy, patience, all these things as he engages back with the world. But he keeps it in the right order. Maybe a helpful um, way to check motivation on how you engage with the world or any, any of these sources that you um, let into your life, any of the things that you enjoy for entertainment, especially if you're feeling bad. A lot of people have come kind of with this recurring question, like, yeah, I, I want to, how, how do I kind of be in the world and not of it? How do I kind of know what's going on but not be like captivated and drawn in too much? And typically I'll come back something along the lines of, how does it make you feel when you're engaging with it, whatever it is? What, what flows through your heart? What stirs up in you? And Galatians 5 is a helpful place to go because it lists several fruits or outcomes of living according to the flesh. Simple, instant gratification, that lifestyle. Compared to what happens when you prudently seek the Lord, you fear the Lord, and when the fruits of the Spirit flow out of you. All right, so for example, in the category of sexual sin, if there was a, an explicit image, all right, which is real in the world, right? We don't have to be... Be fake and pretend. So explicit image. If you are not fearing the Lord and content in Him, you will be easily, easier led astray when you see that. The fruits of the flesh that would be evident then in your heart that you would act upon would be sexual immorality and impurity, just to name two. There's a long list. I didn't want to name them all so we get lost. But those are just two of the things. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And what would flow from that is sexual immorality or impurity. But if you're fearing the Lord, you're saturated in Him, you're content in Him when that same thing presented itself, 
you would be able to, not in your own strength, but because you're fearing Him, a fruit of the Spirit, maybe called self-control, would allow you to see it and to turn from it. And if it's something you struggled in the past with, you would recognize it's not your power, and you'd be very thankful to the one who delivered you from that. If you think about the noise and the hype today in the world, I think, I think it's obvious the primary category that would emerge as the loudest would be just generally speaking the media. I'll just say general content that's out there. But now that enters our homes through our home or through our phones and computers and TVs, politics, news, social media, all the voices that we're going to, including voices who might market themselves even as Christian or religious. This is what we need to see and engage and hopefully self-reflect if we're engaging in this stuff and by being simple, we're being led astray. Because the simple is easily misled and addicted to the noise of the world and easily enticed by it, I think the simple adult subconsciously seeks out others to think for them. I think this is how this plays out in real life as we're simple and engage in this stuff too much. We subconsciously seek out others to think for us about what's happening. And if you ask the simple, hey, do you seek out others to think for you? They'd say, no, of course not. I'm an adult. They know what the answer is supposed to be. But the actions, the fruits that flow out of this that I see are more fruits of the flesh than they are of the Spirit as people are talking about stuff and regurgitating stuff from these partial sources. Not partial to God's Word, partial for other things. Sometimes disguised as God's Word. And the concern is for, is for church people. In 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, Paul's writing to Christians, church people, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Because the simple aren't content in Christ and seek out others to think for them, I think what's happening is many of you are running away from just the basic core news, just the basic events and activities, the real stuff that's happening. And you're running to sources that tell you how to think about the news. That would be very simple. All right, picture this with me. Sadly, we can probably all picture kind of a scene after a murder it's probably outside, it's in a parking lot or something, outside the location. You got a podium. You maybe have a police officer up there. And they're reporting on what happened. Here's what happened what they know of the victims, what they know of the suspects. They might take some questions, then it's over. This is news from the source.
the wise can take that in and they would have the natural uh, feelings. There'd be a general contentment. They'd be sad, probably, a murder. That'd be a sad event. But the simple, because they're not thinking for themselves, they can't just take in news from a lot of different sources. Like, no, no I got to run over here and find someone to think for me. I don't know the word enough. I can't examine the life of Christ enough because it's not easy. It's not right in front of me. I got to dig a little bit to understand how he interacted with the world and tragedy. It's too hard. Someone else tell me how to think. So they're going to go where the noise is, where the hype and chaos is. There's going to be folly all over the place. The simple inherit folly. And I think I said subconsciously, I don't think, I don't think you're trying to do this. This is why the simple don't know that they're simple. This is why they have to be told. We have to talk about it. That's why I just asked you to consider this. If you feel this pull, maybe you're letting other people think for you and not letting the word of God and the people of God who are also pursuing the word of God think for you. Because these partial voices out here, church, they're not rooted in the fear of the Lord. They're fueled by what the Bible says is selfish ambition. It's power and money and fame. So any source you go to, for the most part, is going to have those things underlyingly driving what they're doing, and they're going to come from a place of partiality. The wise are impartial. They're open to all sides. They're going to hear everything from scratch. And this is why the wise typically aren't addicted to the extremes that you may be exposed to in a lot of different areas. Romans 16, 17, and 18 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. I appeal to you, brothers, it says. Again, church people are being deceived by smooth talk and flattery. Why? Because they're naive and simple. They don't live with the fruit or with the fear of the Lord. It's wise to be aware of what's going on, but really you should be able to take in news from the source from a lot of different sources. Because you don't need to you don't need to be told how to think about it. You don't need to stay for an hour or two hours letting this person talk. Let's bring in this person. They can talk about it. All the partial voices. To play that out a little bit further even, to expose why it's not not wise. Because some of these sources, they have regular shows, regular podcasts. They have a regular scheduled time where they have to do what? Talk. They have to talk. Because they're supposed to talk at 7 o'clock. And it's 7 o'clock, so I have to talk about something. And then tomorrow at 7 o'clock, I have to talk again. So a schedule 
and advertising and money, all these things go into how they're talking. They kind of have to start from a partial perspective. That's why the true wisdom news station wouldn't be very popular with most people because you never really know when it's on because the wise are going to wait so they can evaluate and examine the life of Christ a little bit. It's like we're live at 9.15. No one really knows about it, right? So because of the ulterior motives, these partial voices that you're letting think for you are striking fear into your lives. And I think you're falling for it. That's the concern. Because now they're telling you, here's how you're supposed to think about it. Let's fight. Let's fight other humans, not the enemy. And you're like kind of wandering like the ox to the slaughter. All right, yeah, that sounds, yeah that's loud. All right, I was, all right, so I'm on a team now. All right, cool. Yeah, it's fun to be on a team. All right, so I'm on this. Now we're fighting against other humans. Humans are the enemy now. That's what they want you to think. That's what you're letting them think for you as you wander to the slaughter. They're telling you, watch out for things in the world. Be scared. Be fearful. And a lot of you are because you're not thinking for yourself through the lens of the Word. The wise are not shaken by events of the world. The wise know that God's sovereign. They know that God's in control. They know that God allows for prosperous times and for times of difficulty. And he holds them all in his hand. The wise know that as they fear the Lord and then engage the world out of that, they'll be prosperous. They'll be secure in all seasons. The wise know, Ecclesiastes 9.17, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. They know there's noise out there. They know it. They just don't need it. Especially they don't need it to think for them. They're secure. They're content. They can engage. They won't be shaken. They also know Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. And they rest secure in his power and his control. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, again, church people. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. He's talking about the word, the gospel, the good news. Guard the deposit entrusted to you, church. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. By being addicted to the noise, some church people have swerved from the faith. The irreverent babble. I think there's a proverb that says, uh, avoid the simple babbler, something along those lines. The, why, the babble, the irreverent babble, the noise, it's just not appetizing to the wise, to the prudent one. Don't let others think for you. Guard and treasure the deposit 
entrusted to you, church. And I think we go back to the the works of the flesh that might play out as you engage in all sorts of media. You listen to these voices, whatever it is for you. I don't know who you seek out when you let the voices in. I don't know exactly which ones, but the works of the flesh, I think, that are probably playing out would be enmity. Not a word we use very often. That's one from the list. Enmity is the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. This is the work of the flesh that's going to play out in your heart. Another one might be strife, which means angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues, conflict. When you let other people think for you about what's happening, don't be surprised if these feelings are what's happening in your life, in your household. How are we leading our kids? We're supposed to protect them and lead them. We need to be the voice through God's word. Then as you wisely engage, what's the fruit of the Spirit? You'd experience all of them in different ways, but how about just one? How about peace? Could you imagine engaging in the world and just being at peace no matter what happens? This is the way of the wise. We finish that section in Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Verse 33 says, But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Church, we don't have to worry about the noise. We don't have to be anxious. We listen to the words of God. It's an active pursuit. Fear the Lord, tremble, and be thankful before Him. And it's okay if it looks weird to the world. Another little Christmas-themed snippet I'll throw in here for you Christmas fans. You know what looks weird? The wise men. If you look at Matthew 2 later, you'll see the wise men, and you'll see what made them wise. What makes the wise men wise? It's their fear of the Lord. And what looks weird is when they finally find him, It's a baby. And you know what they do? They bow down. To a baby. That looks weird. But they know that everything exists in that baby. And that's where their treasure is. We fear the Lord, and what flows from that fear of the Lord can be peace we end with Philippians 4, 7. We see this play out just in one verse. So remember, we're not complacent. We're not simple. We're fearing the Lord. We're standing in all of Him. We're spending time with Him. We're sitting before Him in stillness, acknowledging that He is who He says He is through His Word. We're committed to Him and His Word. And what comes from that is peace that only He supplies. He says, in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Understanding is human. I can see it. It's right in front of me. I have to be able to explain everything. No, you don't. Not with the fear of the Lord. Because that brings peace. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all standing, will do what? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, we have a leader. We are well protected. But we cannot be idle. We must act.
pray, Lord.